Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Unnamed English Minds podcast. The podcast still struggling to think of a good name, but at least we're back. Um, we'll work on it. I'm Connor. Joining us today, as always, is Sheridan. Hello, Sherry. Evening, Connor. You all right, mate? Uh, yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. In the, uh, like you say, the long time since we last spoke, I'm doing okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we speak quite regularly, but just whether it's been recorded is a, a different matter, and that's probably for the best a lot of the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, obviously, as we said, due to a mixture of I think travels, illnesses, just bad organisation. Uh, we're not sat down in front of a microphone for about a month. Uh, so we've got four games to discuss in some level of detail uh, and a lot of other stuff aside. Um, so I don't think there's really any time for preamble. Let's get straight into it. So since the last episode, Bo Svensson, our manager, has left the club. So I reckon we should probably have a quick look back. So um, Sheridan, tell me all about Bo Svensson. Now that is a, a, a big ask. <laughs> Shall I, shall I get his Wikipedia page up and just start reading it to the crowd? Or um, it's <laughs> yeah. So obviously he was he was uh, not fired. He resigned in the end, which I I think is a certainly not a first in modern football, but it, it goes against the grain of how things work in modern football. Um, after the Hertha Berlin game in the cup uh, two or three weeks ago, he um, apparently went to the the board and said, "Lads, I've done all I can here. I don't think I can do anymore." Um, I'd like to step down, um, which, like I say, goes against the grain rather than some some boss in a suit upstairs going right whoop and swinging the axe. Um, he showed a lot of character, showed the kind of man he is, and 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 went into the to the board and said, "I can't do anything else. Um, please relieve me of my duties." And I, th- I feel like the the club were kind of left with no other option other than to do that. Um, the, the curious thing about Bo leaving, however, is apparently that's not the first time that he's gone to the club and said, I can't do any more. I want to go. He'd done it once a few weeks previously um, and said, I don't think I can do anything else with this this group of players. Um, my system isn't working. My ideas aren't working. The results are terrible. And before it gets worse and worse, we need to knock it on the head. And the club said, no, 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 we trust you. We trust you to do your thing. And then the results didn't get better. They got worse. Um and and the club were left with with no choice, and it was sad because we all liked Bo for a lot of reasons. Um, him personally, certainly, he's a, a fantastic man. Um, but also for the sporting reasons of what he did to get us out of trouble. Um, was it the twenty one twenty two season? Twenty two twenty yeah, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one was it the back the the back end after Christmas of that season to to take us from having I don't know minus six points because we were that bad to to. Champions League form over the course of the last 17 games um, to, to the bitter end that he kind of came to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting one that you bring up the like the reports of him sort of going to the club previously and talking about because that is something that you do hear sometimes with managers that have stepped down that like they've thought about it before and then they've been persuaded to, to do it again. I remember there was a when Lucien Favre left uh, Gladbach in 2015, there was a very famous thing about how basically every few months he tried to resign while he was there because uh, he kept thinking that he could do something and then sort of turned it around again um, and then it didn't work. Um, so I almost think it's kind of normal and I'm interested like what exactly was discussed that made them decide that like they couldn't go on because I think that there probably was some kind of distance left in that relationship from our side. Obviously, he had been at the club in some function for the best part of two decades as a player, um, as a youth coach. Uh, a very brief stint where he went to Austria to sort of be uh, the manager of uh, Salzburg's sort of farm team in Liefering. Yeah. Um, and then coming back to, to Mainz as the sort of uh, head coach. I think when you've got such a, a long relationship with someone and like basically for the majority of his adult life, he's lived and worked in 
Mainz as a someone at the club. Uh, it's kind of yeah, it's a very difficult decision as that person to then decide I can't do anything more. I have to basically leave the club, and you know from there like that association is probably quite difficult to then continue because aside when you've been a head coach it's very difficult to do something else within that sort of environment so it's stepping away I guess to a large extent from what he's known since he was 27 28 when he joined the club uh so not an easy decision and you know that wanting to sort of make that kind of thing make that kind of decision probably says a lot about the situation that the club were in at the end of October uh start of November um at the same time yeah yeah the, the way that we were playing football at the start of the season was not great. Uh, the results were not great. And his resignation came the day after one of the sort of bleakest points of the season so far um, in terms of a sort of a, a cup defeat to Hertha. I mean, like I say, it's just, it's one of those things. It was just very bitter because I think we discussed it on the podcast before in September and October that at some point you do have to begin to question whether that relationship should continue because at a certain point you do need to start getting points on the board and uh, we'd like to do it with the right people, but at some point you have to start doing it with someone else, um, which obviously that's a, an opinion that Svensson ended up sharing, I guess. Um, so I hope that he wasn't listening to this and decided based on what we were saying. Um and it's interesting because I don't think people necessarily turned on him so much as really hoping that something would... I think most people were hoping that he would change how he was working or doing something else um, than that he would particularly leave. But with him now being gone, I guess that's a, a perfect time to have a little bit of a change of approach, um, even if it's playing a similar kind of brand of football, but just having someone else giving the message over to the players and trying to get a different reaction. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I don't know. I'd agree with you in, in in what you're saying with with not necessarily anybody turning against Bo himself. Like you saw, we saw the outpour of emotion when Bo's message came. He did the personal message to the fans to say, you know, exactly what you're saying. I've been at this club for 20 years. Um, I love this place. Mainz has such a large part of my heart, and and I'm sorry that things have worked out the way things are the way they have. And I, I think almost everybody came back and said, you know what, thank you for everything. Thank you for doing what you've done for this club as a player, as a coach, um, as somebody that's just involved in the background. You've been fantastic. Um, but, but I think you hit the nail on the head is, is that the difference between turning against the manager and turning against the manager's ideas, the style of football he was trying to play. I remember tweeting it after the Berlin game, um, after one too many beers and one too many screams at the players of just saying like bowler if you're not going to change your ideas because we went to a second division club and played five at the back anyway and got played off the park and just continued with this the same idea over and over again of just hoping something would change and we're saying look if you're not going to change your ideas then actually for the sake of everybody else you need to you need to step away um because the the away game in Hertha was one of the bleakest experiences I've had in football it was awful. Like the day out itself was good fun. We, you know, we went into the city, had a few beers, had some good food, went to the game, thinking quite optimistic. Um, you know, we'd we'd had the draw away at Bochum, the the last minute winner, uh, last minute equaliser, sorry. Um, where we thought, okay, maybe you know things are going to turn around, and then we put the ninety minutes in against Hertha that we put in, and you thought, do you know what? Somehow it's got worse. When we right when we thought okay maybe things are stabilising, sometimes apparently we've fallen through the floor again and things cannot carry on. So in in football decisions, in purely sporting merit, it was the uh, the right thing that that Bo is no longer the trainer or the the manager of the club. I think, um, but I, I don't think you could find a Mainz fan that has a bad word to say about him. 
And I think to a certain extent, the fact that he's so fondly regarded made it very difficult because I, I think, so we complain sort of about the style of football that we've played this season and the level of success that that's brought. Um, I think to a certain extent, that's the sort of style that he was trying to bring to the party. But I think also he's not the only person with some kind of responsibility in terms of a managerial footballing role at the club. Obviously, there's above him, the sporting director, Martin Schmidt. Above him, there's Christian Heidel, um, who sort of leads the whole thing. Um, so there are other people that are in the conversation there deciding what, how's the squad going to be built, who are we going to bring in, um, who are we going to let go, uh, and uh, exactly how is it going to work out just on a financial and a sporting level. And then that creates basically the squad uh, that he's left with. I think since Bo left, the style of play has not vastly changed. The uh, results have got a little bit better, um, but we're kind of barking up many of the same trees and it'll be very interesting to see we'll come on to discuss sort of uh, the managerial situation because there isn't a a new sort of full-time manager in the post at the moment Um, the way that they decide to go there in the longer term in terms of is there going to be a little bit more of a turn towards a sort of different style of football or a doubling down on sort of how we've been playing uh, for a while and then that will also reflect in the recruitment in January and in the summer uh, in terms of do we bring in players that allow us to play slightly more ambitiously because I think if you were to be absolutely fair to Svensson okay we were playing a certain style of football but the squad's basically designed to uh, play a certain way and he's not the man signing those players so um, I think it's an interesting one where it's like yes probably we could be playing sort of slightly nicer football but potentially he, that what he was doing was getting the most out of a squad that's not particularly sort of geared up to play good football. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see, like you say, with um, how Ziva takes the, the club forward. Um, it, it, it would have surprised me if he'd come into the club and immediately changed the ideas because especially having come up through the under-23s, having managed the, the 23s for the last few seasons, um, it's it's very difficult for a, a first-team manager anyway to come in and stamp his ideas Um on, on a set of players that is completely different, is the complete uh, opposite of what they've been playing anyway. Um, but what I would say is he's come in and he's, he's made the system that was being used slightly more fluid. So there's maybe the formations and the ideas are similar, but the actual style of play within that, uh, within that football has changed ever so slightly or enough that it has started grinding out results, whether that continues to be the case or whether we're in this kind of first month of a new manager, a bit of fresh air, um, lucky period I don't know but it's it would have definitely surprised me if he'd suddenly come in and gone right lads 4-3-3 all out attacking football let's go for it so um, but I think it's a very valid point um, to to wonder what's going to happen with the recruitment in January whether the, the the lads at the top that were above Svensson anyway and of course are now above Ziva as well whether they will continue along the same path and bringing in the same kind of player that we've been bringing in or whether there'll be a change of idea and say actually do you know what we've proved that the kind of player we've been bringing in to play, the kind of system that we've been using isn't working as well as we want to do. Is is there a chance here to, to put the pen to paper and, and, and have another look at what we're doing and come up with some different ideas? Yeah, I mean, I think as well, the interesting thing with Siva is that he's not really got a formal idea of what his role is in terms of like, so he knows that he's at the moment sort of performing the role of head coach of Mainz, uh, which is great. And I think he, he is doing a good job of sort of turning a corner a little bit for for the team, at least in the results. And some of the performances have improved a little bit recently anyway, but he's not even given the title of interim coach yet. He's the trainer until further notice, the coach until head, head coach until further notice, mm. because they haven't said, right, you're the manager, which I think is fair enough. I don't think given his record of just kind of existing at the under 23s for a few years and getting Huddersfield relegated from the Prem, probably not his fault, but 
mm. is on his CV. Yeah, I, I don't think based on that you get you necessarily say right straight away straight stake in the ground you get the job for eighteen months, two and a half years. Um, but they've not also said okay this is the manager until January or this is until the end of the season. They've just said until further notice this is the the coach, and it might just be that we have no idea how to communicate between the club and the fans in terms of it's, it's such a weird situation for the club to be in that they've not thought how do we actually sell that this is the coach and we're just going to sort of put it in a very weird way which you know with Martin Schmidt I think I could probably imagine that that could be true I don't know but <laughs> at the same time it's like well yeah there's there's no security in that situation because it could be that at the moment we're going to go into the weekend with Jan Ziva as, as coach and that's all understood it could be that after that they decide to then formalise it or it could be that oh no we've actually been speaking to someone for a few weeks and we decided now's the perfect chance for him to come in uh, and have a look at the squad before January so that we can work something out uh, I, I don't know so I think for him in a situation where basically he can only think like day to day or like week uh, fixture to fixture in terms of he, he knows basically after one fixture that he's going to take on the next one probably uh, he's not really got much of a chance to sort of change anything anyway or form the team in his, in his own way so I think the fact that there have been, like you say, a couple of changes and the way that we've played a little bit, sort of some tweaks here and there, um, has been really good. And then I think the, the main thing that sort of a new person coming in to sort of train the team does is just a fresh approach as a person. Because even if we agree on certain things about football, like the way that we would communicate with two different people, just as with, with a squad as two different people is going to be different. So um, th- that can quite often be uh, a, a useful thing, right? So um, I guess it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, totally. I it, it's a strange one because, as from a totally fan perspective, it does leave you questioning not necessarily if the club know what they're doing, but what the club are doing. Like, are we talking to anybody? Because there's no been there's not I've not seen a single rumor of of anybody being linked with the Mainz job. Um, I saw that, for example, Kaiserslautern sacked their manager today in the second division, and Miroslav Klose is already linked with the job. That's the kind of response you expect from from modern football. Job uh, manager loses his job, the next like three are in in the works, and they've been talking to them for weeks or anyways. But that that isn't the case with us. There's just it's kind of gone dead, and it's kind of been well, Jan's in charge now, and we'll see what he does, and and then we'll come back to you in a few weeks. Um, and to a certain extent, I like that because it gives him, it actually gives him the opportunity to to come up from within the club and go. I've been at the under twenty threes for years. I've proved myself as a coach within the club on his CV. Like you say with Huddersfield, that's a different story in itself. Um, for him to go, actually, do you know what? I'm going to take these six, seven, eight games. I'm going to show you what I can do. I'm going to change the results. Um, and that is my application to become the manager in January, December, January, whenever. Um, or whether the club have kind of just kept it down low because they actually do have someone in the works that is going to take over in the in the winter break. Um, but you don't want to unsettle a cart that is unsettled enough anyway. And whilst we get to a position where we start stabilising it, certainly in terms of results on paper, you don't want to start freaking people out because you want to keep that run going as for as long as you possibly can, especially in a situation where we are, where actually we're, we are battling relegation. We're in a relegation fight um, and every point counts. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see what the club does with this. And I like to take the optimistic approach of, I I like to think that they know what they're doing. I like to think that in the background, things are being put in place and you've got your A's and your B's and your C's and it's just all very nice kind of here block, there block. But there's there's just nothing coming out from anybody. So I couldn't tell you whether or not that's true. Yeah, no, and it's interesting as well because, because Mainz is a club that has a lot of people that could potentially step up into the role of sort of head coach if needed. Um, I think that there's a lot of conversations as well as about 
like even if we were to go for the internal solution, okay, Jan Zivert's doing the job now, but like in the long term, is he the person that you would want to do the job, mm. even from people within the club? Um, I think uh, you looked at, uh, for the under-23s even, I think it's Michael Schoenweitz uh, stepped mm-hmm. up and done pretty well um, since sort of filling in for Jan Zivert as he's filling in for uh, the vacant manager's position. Um, obviously, everyone who follows Mainz uh, absolutely loves the under-19s team and what uh, Benny Hoffman's been doing with them for the last few years as well. Um, so these are all names that are getting thrown around, probably even more so than sort of some of the external candidates where I think a lot of people are just sort of jadedly assuming that someone else who's doing bad in the league potentially at some point will come into the conversation. Um, or even just, you know, like thinking of people that have managed a football club anywhere in Europe and uh, could they be gone? Uh, could, could they be picked up and put in the position at some point? And yeah, that rumour mill is not going on <laughs> with mine, which at is all. interesting. Not like I say, because there aren't rumours and then also because I think a lot of people want the people in the club to step up and do the mind's way and succeed. Yeah. Uh, so... I mean, especially looking from an English perspective at the way the managerial merry-go-round happens. If you take that that experience of like your Sam Allardyce in England, for example, just taking on the job of whichever club's going to finish 16th this season, you're looking at Urs Fischer has been has, has been sacked at Union Berlin and Cologne haven't had a good season. So you're looking at maybe Stefan Baumgart. And from a footballing perspective, these are just two names that I don't I don't resemble with Mainz. I wouldn't want these players. These, I mean, they'd come in and... And we'd finished 14th every season with them, with but with that horrendous style of football that that would just be awful to watch. Um, and I'm almost glad that there isn't that rumor mill um, because it's just, it's just I don't think there's anyone out there at the moment. Certainly not a, a bigger name that has has, has been a, a Bundesliga club before um, that would necessarily come in and improve us or come in that maybe they'd keep us up and like I say we'd finish 14th 15th every season but there's no ambition there um and and hopefully with an internal solution or potentially a coach that that is very unknown is currently coaching in the Austrian second division or or something like this is an exciting younger coach that is going to come in with exciting ideas and has actually got a bit of ambition that would look at Mainz and go this is a club that can you know play a little bit above its its level on paper um let's go and achieve something with that we'll say like i say that's that's purely from a from an english merry-go-round perspective of, of just expecting big sam to rock up at some point and, and tell me that kerry monazovo is now a left back because we need we need someone else back there to keep the balls out yeah i mean i, I could see that happening if uh, if mines was somehow situated in england yeah, allardyce would definitely be on the blower to uh, the hierarchy i mean we should probably very quickly sort of talk about a couple of the games earlier in November. So um, we finally got our first league win of the season a couple of days after Svensson's resignation mm-hmm. uh, against Leipzig. And that was a win that was dedicated by from Jan Ziva to Bo Svensson. Um, a lot, I mean, he had probably two training sessions. So a lot of the work that they'd have done for that game will have been done previously anyway. And 100%. I think basically Ziva just basically said, I just tried to sort of pick up the mood with the with the players and yep. do what was sort of already set up to done. So it was one of those ones uh, where, yeah, so I wasn't at Hertha, but I was at this one. Um, and it was just very much one of those ones where it's like basically play defensively, play dogged, earn the right to play. Uh, we we basically didn't really do much for the first sort of forty minutes of the game. Marco Rista sort of switched on and sort of created a couple of sort of half chances for us in that first half. In the second half, then the much better team, um, and then uh, with about a quarter of an hour left to play, um, I think it's Jason Lee scoring the opener, and then not long after that, 
uh, Leandro Pereira making it 2-0 uh, from a corner. There's an interesting sort of VAR case there where, uh, you know, looking at offside for ages and then finally getting the decision that we actually wanted. Mm. Uh, but it was uh, a very, 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 very good atmosphere. Um, I like haven't been to loads of home games this season, just missing a few in September, but definitely the best uh, that I felt in the stadium probably all year to be honest I mean I think there's just so much frustration going into it um, that there was a, a large outpouring from the team just finally being able to celebrate a win with the players was absolutely great uh, and yeah it was it, it had the feel of kind of back to basics but uh, in a good way like I say earn the right to play and then use that platform to showcase what you can do uh, and I was hoping fingers crossed we take that on into the coming weeks yeah, Zivert's come in, hasn't he, like you say, and just and use Svensson's, what they'd have worked on during training. It's like coming into a new team in Football Manager and just, just assistant report, yep, okay, we'll play that on the first day and see what happens. Um, but no, I, I wasn't at the game, sadly. I was guided to, to have missed it. Um, but I can only imagine that the, the support was incredible because, like you say, it was just an outpouring of so much frustration from across this season. Um, it would have been like the, the equaliser in Bochum times 10, I can imagine, you actually coming away with the three points. Um, because it, it just... It was, just this final break of, of of something that we've needed for so long, because we've come into this podcast, for example, um, every week. You know, I think things are stabilising. I think we're going to be all right next week, and it's just not happened. And it's just built on top and built and built and built of this kind of constant base level of negativity um, that I can only imagine was was like an, an eruption. And I'm I'm so glad we got that win. I just I was in um, I was in Prague actually for the game. Um, I'd gone gone ground hopping and, and I went to watch Sparta and I was on the concourse before the game as the second goal went in and I've gone flying around the concourse in the middle of Prague uh, and just explaining to a load of Czech what's going on. Like, oh yeah, I'm I'm Mainz fan and we've got our first win of the season. All oh, right, come on in, right? Let's get you a beer, good lad. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> About half an hour before the head game kicked off. Um, so yeah, it was a um, beautiful moment for everybody and it's 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 great to be able to finally talk about a win. You know, after the Alpha's bed game in the cup at the beginning of the season where we were like, okay, yeah, we won we won the match and we're through to the next round. But Christ, you know, that was it was a bit of hard work to get there. Um and we put the hard work in against Leipzig, but hard work we didn't make hard work of the game. We put the hard work in where it actually needed to be on the pitch to be able to justify us getting the three points. And it's it just feels fantastic to be able to say we've got a win on the board this season, finally. Yeah, I mean that's the thing like the Throughout the whole season, really, there has not been any lack of effort uh, in in large things. It's just been, I guess, doing the right things in the right areas and uh, knowing when to take risks and when not to, and mm. yeah, just not making stupid mistakes. Like we cut those silly mistakes out of the game, um, made sure to sort of keep the ball in safe areas, and when we got the chance to sort of break into dangerous areas from a Leipzig perspective, we did, uh, and. You know, as soon as that win happens, it's amazing how fickle as a football fan I can be because as soon as a win like that happens, I see, okay, right, we had three points on the board before today. Now we've got six points on the board. And I immediately look up the table rather than yeah. sort of feeling like I'm on the And what didn't help is that, so the next game, a week after that, was away in Darmstadt. Um, yep. And, you know, Darmstadt had actually, until that point, had a better start to the season than we had. Uh, and... 
you know, sort of a, a given team's games. But you look at them, they're like, they hadn't kept a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we'd just sort of scored two goals against Leipzig, who are a, a much better team and had easily played Darmstadt off the park a few weeks before that. And I was just looking at that, like, you know, we could get another three points and then we're immediately in mid-table and starting to feel a lot happier about ourselves going into the international break. So we go there for the away game. I met you there at the stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh Start of the carnival season, so uh, a mixture of red and white uh, sort of fan gear in the same, as well as loads of costumes as well. And it's a, just a really interesting atmosphere. People just sort of bouncing around, having a chat with each other. Uh, great times. Uh, a very weird away end because I, th- I think almost oversubscribed away end because the Definitely. controls were not great. Um, but we go there and honestly, so I, I, I've been writing a sort of companion blog this season, uh, like a newsletter uh, of my experiences of games. And I think that's the only newsletter I've written so far in which I didn't comment on the football that happened because just nothing happened in that game, really. Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got nothing to say. Like, I know it was a couple of weeks ago, but I, I don't remember a second of football that happened. I think I think Onizivo or, or Richter or, or somebody flashed a shot wide at the beginning of the second half. Um but I just the only reason I remember that is because I'd just come back up the stairs from from getting beers with everybody and um, almost got knocked over by Spider Man. Like that's <laughs> I have no recollection of the game whatsoever. Um the away end is an atrocity. The the worst away end I've been into in Germany. It was it was so small and compact, it was oversubscribed. Um it was a weird experience. It was that was awful. Um and I, I, I hear what you're saying as well about about football fans being fickle, but I I'm not sure if, if people were necessarily positive because we'd beaten Leipzig the week before. Um I mean there was absolutely uh that was in play. Like I know I, I know for a fact that I was there going, right, lads, we beat Leipzig last week. Um, looking at Darmstadt on paper and thinking, yeah, okay, you know, if things really are taking a turn here, this is the ideal opportunity to to start building a run. Um, or whether or not, like you say, it was 11th, 11th Carnival had just started, so everyone was a little bit tipsy anyway, entering the stadium. Um, it was it was a combination of both, I think. Um, but yeah, it was, um, for the fact that I don't remember any of the football, I, yeah, enjoyed myself thoroughly that afternoon. Yeah, and I, I think we were very much post-game, just like, you know what, we were solid again. We didn't go through the gears and sort of create much of an attacking threat, which was frustrating. It's fine. Uh, we saw that there was a little bit of a tactical evolution there in terms of we'd kind of stepped away from, we'd taken one step, half a step away from uh, the sort of tyranny of the back five that we've been playing by allowing Dominic Core to play as a midfielder when mm. we had the ball, but then obviously slip back into the back five uh, when we were out of possession, which, you know, as a halfway measure, it's better than no measure at all. Um, so in theory, it would have added a little bit to our overall play with the ball, um, just if we'd have decided to be a little bit more enterprising. But in the end, it was very much a safety first performance. Go away from home, take a point uh, and and see where you go from there. Uh, and, you know, we I don't think I was absolutely buzzing at the result, but I had a good day. You know, didn't need to have watched the game to have had a good day, ultimately. Oh, yeah. uh, and... Uh, it was one of those ones where I was feeling like relatively positive. You know, you look at that, you know, we'd climbed up another place in the table. Um, we're So from, se- uh, I think, 17th at the start of the day to 16th. Uh, and I was like, well, if the season ends now, at least we're not going to get relegated because the team that finishes 16th never goes down. <laughs> they mm. always win the playoff. Uh, so, you know, positives there. Uh, and then I sort of read sort of some of the quotes coming out of the club. And then this is, again, where I have to just be a little bit negative about Martin Schmidt because he was, he was really sort of proudly stating about how, uh, you know, it's another good performance and uh, we've kept two clean sheets in a row. And I was just like, it, it didn't feel like the story of a game when, you know, that 
that they were keeping their first clean sheet of the whole season. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And it's just like, well, yeah, we've kept that because we haven't done anything. Yeah. Uh, a, so I was kind of questioning that. But it's a story of two sides with his response, isn't it? Because like you say, um, we'd climbed a place in the table that we'd just gone with the Bochum draw, the Leipzig win. That was three games unbeaten. If you'd said to me a month previously, mm-hmm. we're going to go three games unbeaten, I'd have probably just laughed at you. Um, but we we showed a, a change in a change in style um, to a team that is is likely there to just try. They're not gonna they're not gonna play you off the park this season, Darmstadt. They're gonna fight you off the park if they do. Um, and we didn't allow them to do that to us. You know, we we gave a little bit back. Um, so there were there were positives. Martin Schmidt was absolutely right in that, that there were positives. But the, this painting of it being an ideal performance was a little bit. It certainly ground some gears. Um, because Darmstadt aren't a good side, they're they're going to be down there this season, um, and they hadn't they hadn't kept a clean sheet all year, um, and, and we need to be looking at, at teams like that and going. We need to be looking at teams like that on paper and saying, actually, this is where we're going to start building series. This is where we're going to start building wins. But that is a very, I think, arrogant way of looking at it. Um, but there has to be some truth in that. If you're going to want to stay in the Bundesliga, then you have to look at certain teams and go, we're going to target you because we know we can take you on. And, and Darmstadt have shown this season that they um, they can score goals, but they're also very leaky at the back. I think they've had, what, two, three, three all draws or something stupid like that this season. Like This is a team where you're, if you go to the Berlin Final Tour, you're going to see goals. And we turned up there and watched arguably the worst 90 minutes of football uh, I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and I think ultimately it's one of those things where where we've struggled in the past 18 months or so uh, is in playing teams that basically are just going to be like, right, we're not going to try and do that much against you. What we're going to do is try and out-compete you to every ball. Exactly, uh, yeah. And uh, we're going to sort of basically reduce the amount of space that you can play into um, and just make it a battle of a game. And to be honest, that's what we tend to do to the, the better teams and they allow us a bit more space to then with the creative players get in behind, create some chances and beat them. And that's Ultimately, that's how we beat Leipzig. That was the blueprint for that game. But when a team comes and tries to do that to you or you go to a team that is going to try and do that to you and you know that is the same for Darmstadt as it was for Bochum and there'll be other games this season coming uh, that will try and do that. I'm, I'm absolutely sure that in a couple of weeks when we go to Cologne, they'll try and do the same kind of thing. Um, like when it becomes a battle, uh, you have to have a different kind of edge, I think, to your game than just battling because ultimately it becomes a bit of a coin toss at that point whether you're going to win the game or not. And when it becomes, when it's about luck, uh, then you can go on those long series that we have been on recently of sort of not picking up enough points. Uh, if you can kind of bring in a sort of high level of performance, bring us, give yourself a little bit of an extra threat, whether that's through sort of creativity or um, trying to mix it in a different way. I think that's where you sort of get the edge where you then have something to fall back on. So like you can, you can outcompete them, but then you can also uh, sort of, yeah, outperform them as well. Um, and, and, and that's what you do. And that's why the, the good teams are good ultimately. Uh, and that's what we have to want to be, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those ones where probably in retrospect, you look at that and you're like, actually, there's a perfectly rational explanation for why we beat Leipzig quite easily and then struggle to do anything against Darmstadt. Um, and then after the international break goes on, you go to Hoffenheim and you think, well, this is a sort of a third category of game where, you know, they are going to try to be a little bit more enterprising, but also they are going to try and outcompete us as well. And then how's that going to happen? But of the three, I think this game that we're about to talk about, Sheridan, probably gives me the most sort of positive feeling, at least going into the sort of the rest of this first half of the season uh, of the three of them, because I think there was a lot in this performance, even though we didn't pick up three points, that 
points to there's a little bit of a, an improvement in other areas than just sort of not conceding goals overall, which hopefully is a good thing. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think there was more of a sign of, of this this blueprint of a good side that you're talking about is you want to have the creative players that can go forward and, and at the, the, the turn of a coin can can create chances and can score goals for you. But you do also need uh, players in there that are, that are bullies that are going to dictate a game f- from a defensive point of view and, and, and dictate the way that the, the game happens, the way the game flows by not allowing other teams, creative players to, to do what they're good at. And that's creating chances um, and Hoffenheim are a team that I look at in the league and think actually do you know what with the right players would would be one of those ideal perfectly balanced sides um, so it was in terms of style of football I think it was quite on, certainly on paper was quite an even matchup of, of very similar kind of teams that have got going forward some some excellent creative players but also have a couple of bullies in there a couple of proper old school centre half type players um, that are just going to kick you off the park um, so it was it was an interesting matchup from the start and then like you say it, it, it came out on that on the pitch I thought the first 20-25 minutes having said all of that were unbearable they was awful <laughs> again it was it was it kind of gone back to the, the, the previous games of this season from Mainz where the passes weren't clicking the ideas weren't coming together nobody was really talking to each other nobody really knew who was picking who up players didn't have enough confidence in themselves to make clever runs um to to try and get in between the channels try and get in between the lines there didn't appear to be any of that um and then, yeah, it was kind of a, a strange, strange game. And then all of a sudden, um, of, of all the players on the park, Eddie Fernandez plays a pass through three, four different lines, picks out Marco Richter, who um, runs through and, and scores his first goal for the club. What about, you say of all players on the pitch, I think the interesting thing is that basically that's why you want him to play in defence. Like that, That's why we've converted him from a midfielder to a centre-back in terms of we lost a lot in build-up play once we lost uh, Musonir Kate to Nottingham Forest uh, mm-hmm. uh, just over a year ago. And we had to find another solution to sort of someone being able to play out from the back because there aren't a lot of players in the squad that can play centre-back and can bully players, but also have a little bit of that artistry in their mm. game as well. Uh, and Fernandez absolutely does. And I mean, it was, a, it was a much better pass than I'd have expected from him, purely because like you say, it's from very deep and it's a very, very nicely ankled ball between a few different players. He's basically just sort of completely set Richter, completely free uh, with... Uh, a lot to do, but nobody around him. <laughs> so mm. it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's the sort of pass that you don't see very often at all. Um, but I think that's ultimately like why you want him to be sort of playing in those positions because if he's in midfield, he's probably been picked up before he's able to make that kind of pass. At the same time, the reason he was probably playing uh, in the way that he was in that position is because we didn't have a fit centre back <laughs> to put out on the tee on on the pitch. So uh, basically. The kind of emergency situation of uh, uh, Seth Vandenberg was uh, suspended. Dominic Kaur, who's been filling in in defence, was suspended uh, going into the game. Both had five yellow cards already uh, for the season. Um, and then Maxim Leitch as well, who's sort of been in and out of the team with sort of various sort of injuries here and there. Also uh, injured again. Uh, that was announced sort of in the, the sort of lead up to the game. Uh, we had to kind of be a little bit inventive and inventive we were. So we played a kind of again this mixture between a back five and a back four um and sort of the nominal center backs being um eddie fernandez is obviously a learned midfielder but has sort of played a bit of center back over the past 
18 months uh, and uh, Anthony Cassie is a fullback. Uh, and I think the interesting thing, Sheridan, is that it didn't look that bad, to be honest. It looked quite good. It, it looked more solid than I expected it to, especially going into the game. Like you say, everyone's going going mental because we're going, oh, shit, lads, like, we, we don't have a defender. Um, but it... it looked more solid than I expected and and I, I think it's a fair point about Eddie Fernandez of, of him being I think that one player within the team that has the ca- has the capability whether he does it every week is a totally different question and, and the answer is no he doesn't um, but he has at some stages in his life shown that he has the capability of doing it um, and and he did um, and it was it was exciting to it was exciting actually to see that because we haven't seen it I don't think like you say since Niakate left the club uh, a centre half or a defensive minded player getting his head up and going go on then I I've seen the run I'm going to play the run let's completely open this game up but I was watching the game in a bar in Dubrovnik um, and I'm and I'm watching it, I'm thinking oh god this is awful do you know what I mean like nothing's happening and then Fernandez has picked the ball up and with the wide screen obviously it's different watching the t- the game on the TV than it is. Uh, on the pitch but you could see how much space there suddenly was out on the left hand side and in my head I'm just going go on then try it please try it have a look don't just ping it long because that's what we've been doing all season don't aimlessly just pump it towards the corner flag um, and it was just this this beautiful magical kind of curved ball just the perfect angle on it to go alright he's away he's away and, and then he scored um, I'm hoping we bring that forward and actually the players suddenly look at that and go, oh, from a defensive position, we're allowed to play attacking creative balls. That's something, all right, okay, let's let's try this more often and see what happens. And and I don't know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. It'll be interesting to see how we go into the Freiburg game on Friday because I, I got a feeling we'll go back to the back five and I'm hoping that means that we'll we'll stick with Fernandez in that scenario and we won't bring Dominic Corr back from his suspension and immediately get him back into the centre of defence because I don't think that I'll achieve anything. Um, but yeah. yeah, I kind of have a feeling that he probably will end up doing that kind of similar role that he was doing in Darmstadt. I think in Hoffenheim, it's Tom Kraus doing that and I, mm. I, I don't think that's necessarily so much his game. Uh, I wouldn't, I think he's sort of better use sort of go a little bit further forward um, and being allowed to kind of dovetail with Barrero maybe a little bit more than sort of trying to think about the defensive side of the game. It worked well for the game. I think he, put, he had a good game, obviously. Uh, he put his, his uh, lineage on the line uh, at the end of the first <laughs> half. Uh, one of the most heroic blocks I've seen in a match uh, in, in my time of watching the club. Um, the greatest but, passage of play. I mean, it, it's one of those ones where like you, it's a positive selection problem now because it's like well do you just stick with what's worked do you bring in the players that we would have really liked to have been able to select on Sunday last week um, or um, do you do something else but mm. I think before we go into talking about Friday we should probably uh, cover I think the bit of the game that is what gives me the most confidence so um, on the notes here as you've kind of already refer- referred to I think the game is pretty turgid for the first sort of 30 minutes or so mm. uh, and I think to a certain extent that's a, that is part of the case of like okay we're playing a makeshift defence we, we have to fill our way into the game and like I say the form's not been the best so build yourself a platform we built ourselves a platform a moment of brilliance brings us ahead and then after that the confidence just seemed to be there like we could have you know what we should have been 2-0 up at half time um, I think Eamon Barcock misses quite a good chance I mean it's not it's not like 100% that has to go in but it's always frustrating with me that he just puts a lot of shots sort of straight down the goalkeeper's throat yeah. uh, when finding the corner either side is possible and would result in a goal. Um, but to be, 
I think a lot of the problem I've had with us this season is that I don't have that many missed chances to get annoyed about. We're not create we weren't creating chances. So to all of a sudden start being wound up because oh that was a great opportunity and we didn't mm. take it. That's that's a better problem to have than we've been having this season so far. Uh, and okay, the second half started. We were caught quite cold in the first five minutes, and uh, Sko scores uh, for Hoffenheim pretty easily. Where they switched the ball from one side and then switched it back to the other. On both times, I think we're sort of looking pretty badly, but we're, we're looking pretty bad there. But for the rest of the half, I, like at that point. I'm thinking in my head, this game is going to go wrong. We're probably going to let our heads drop now because that's a bad time to concede. And it's not quite what happened. We just continued, undeterred, kept trying what we were trying, played really well and just missed a catalogue of chances. And uh, Yeah, that's absolutely. How it, it was... That's how we didn't win. But at the end of the day, it's a much more positive sign. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the main problem we've got, obviously, I mean, there's two things. First of all is we've gone into the, to the break at 1-0 at up undeservedly to a certain extent because that passage of play right on half time where we've how many blocks were in there five six blocks including uh tom kraus giving up on the future generations of the kraus family um before the ball was hacked away um so we've gone in at half time and gone ah you know what it probably should be one all lads like we've got away with one a bit here and they've just not woken up for the beginning of the second half And, and like you say the ball's come into the wide area everybody's been dragged across to, to to pick up this ball in the wide area. The ball's then been flicked back across the box in a, in a really deep cross and Robert Skov had the, the freedom of Sinsheim um, to, to roll the ball in the back of the net and, and I'm I'm saying that it just it cannot be like it cannot be that once again a ball is coming to the box and we have failed to deal with it. We talked about this after the Elfersberg game. We talked about it after the first day of the season. We talked about it after day five of the season. It's the end of November and we're still talking about balls into the box. It's it's almost criminal how easy that goal was. Um, and we're thinking, okay, here we go. Do you know what? But we didn't. We picked up the there was there was a rally from from somewhere, um, and and we've got ourselves back into the game and ultimately I think the last 35 40 minutes of the second half have deserved to come away from that game with three points um I, I don't know in which I can't remember in which order things happened but you've got Marco Richter who's who's crashed two free kicks two purling free kicks beautiful strikes at a football against the crossbar um and you've got Eamon Barcock who I don't I don't know why he took the penalty but he took the penalty it was weak and the keeper was able to get down to 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 palm it away and that, and that's three including Barcock's missing the first half four very good chances and in the in the situation that we're in where we're actually every point counts one of the at least one of those four has to find the back of the net um and you're picking up three points in, instead of just one um well there's also there's also the chance where i think it's jason lee gets in behind and he cuts it back and there's just an ever so slight deflection off the half nine player mm. that kind of takes it right off of Barcock's boot, but he still has time to kind of reset himself and he just doesn't quite get there. Yeah. So and like for me, it's like, it's a missed chance because he could have done better there, but if he'd just anticipated. Exactly. And that's where the frustration from, from the Hoffenheim game comes from is because you've got, you're looking at that a one or draw uh, on paper. You wouldn't, Having the the form we were in on paper is not necessarily a game where we'd go. Actually, do you know what we're going to go and get there in a result? But we've had five half to clear cut chances um, that we've not taken to take the win. Because in the second half, Hoffenheim didn't create anything. There, there, there was just nothing from them really going forward to mention at all. Um, and it's it Generally feels like no, it all, feels like such exactly. It feels like such a missed opportunity. Um, and I, I just hope we don't go on to to regret it in the next couple of weeks. 
But ha- having said that, we are in the position where every point counts. But that, firstly, that's a point that we would have taken at the start of the game. Mm. And although we'd have liked to have had two more, we, we, I mean, if you look at the XG ratings, I think we had two XG and then we also missed a penalty. So like, and they create about one or something like that. So it's very much like the, uh, that's the real quiz kind of thing. But, you know, we, we did more than enough to win the game, statistically speaking. Um, not that that counts for anything because we didn't do enough to actually win the game on the, the actual pitch. Um, so that's probably the first time in a world that we've actually managed to do that, um, mm. at least sort of, uh, and, and then not be sort of um, rewarded for it. Um, like I say, it's a much better position to be annoyed at missing four or five really good chances than uh, where we weren't creating any chances to miss. Uh, and I think it's one of those ones where I think I look at that like, well, there is now a little bit of a trend in terms of we've got three games under Zivert where we have been a little bit more docked defensively and then we're slowly sort of seeming to add a little bit of a um, element of being able to play the game going forward to our game, uh, which we haven't had for a little while. Um, and with hopefully players sort of coming back into the fold because Brian Gruden has sort of been limited for playtime recently. I think he's been sort of carrying a little bit of a knock. Um, and obviously the, the main one that we have to talk about is Johnny Burkup. Absolutely. Uh, to the fold as well. Um, there's a there, there's a little bit more for him to play with in an attacking sense. And hopefully we can use, hopefully basically we can think, okay, we missed a lot of opportunities then, but coming into the Freiburg game on, on uh, Sunday and then the following Sunday again in Cologne, uh, then only a couple more games going on into Christmas. You're starting to think, well, hopefully we'll keep creating chances. And then at, at some point, ideally in the next game, we're going to start being rewarded for it because as soon as you can sort of start playing like that in every game, you might not win every game, but it's not important that you win every game. It's important that you win enough of them that uh, that, that you do it. So if, if we manage to do that in every game between now and Christmas, there's four four games, and we win two of them, then that's actually a really good position to be in in, in the in the battle that we're in in terms of our position in the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and with the XG and stuff, I'm not worried about that obviously because it's it's at the end of the day, it's whoever scores the most goals wins the most games or wins the game of football. And and if you deserve to score five or six goals and you didn't score six goals, then then you don't win the game. Um, but it's I absolutely agree with the point of that that if we continue the kind of development that we have shown in in the last couple of games, then there is no reason that we can't um, actually start picking up serious points. Um, one of the things I'm worried about is you're, you're looking at teams like Freiburg, for example, on the back of recording on Thursday night. They've just won 5 0 in the Europa League. Um, you know, there's teams that, okay, whether the opponent is of a similar level or not is, is largely irrelevant. They've still put five the ball in the back of the net five times. Um, and we want to be able to get ourselves into a situation where we're creating five chances and making take taking sorry maybe two or three of them rather than than just one. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see where we go. But the the the, the main obviously excitement was seeing Johnny Burkhart back. The big scare was he's not played football for a year and he's not really been training for a lengthy period of time. So with our track record this season of injuries and 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 players uh, um, playing through nicks and, and novels and stuff like that and, and not coming out the best of it we'll see what happens with him in the next couple of weeks but but he is another option like you say and he's an option when he's fully fit and when he's firing is a player that will score 15 goals a season when he's really into it um and and maybe that's yeah, what I we've mean, been I, missing i think it, yeah it's one of those things i was buzzing to see him back on the pitch i think it's a great moment for him and then obviously with him having been at the club for so long despite being so young i think just as a figure for fans to identify with mm-hmm. it's hugely important and it just takes a little bit of that weight from someone like Ryan Gruder's shoulders who 
has been playing more important a role for the team than someone of his age should necessarily be doing. Like he should be allowed to get on the pitch and express himself and do well, but he shouldn't be carrying a team on his back no, uh, at the age of nineteen twenty uh, with not much uh, experience behind his back. So it's one of those things. Great on that front, but like you say, I was just I, given his injury records over the last couple of years because you know, okay, the, this this injury goes back to a year ago um, and has sort of ruled him out for a while, um, but there are injury problems that he had before then as well. So it's, it's not the the first one kind of thing. Uh, just have to be very, very careful. And like you say, I think that the news about him sort of returning to full training was only a few weeks ago. So I was kind of thinking, is that long enough? Like, would, mm. I, I don't know. And then like, like we've also said, every game, there seems to be someone else that's sort of missing that, you know, we didn't know about. And then it just turns out they picked up something. So I have no idea what's going on in terms of the fitness of a lot of the players and how that's being managed and communicated and all that kind of thing. So I was kind of looking at it as like, I really don't want him to be playing until we're absolutely certain he's mm. going to be. I mean, you can't be absolutely certain because you could go on and someone could break his leg or something. With, with, yeah, uh, that's true. Within two minutes or something like that. But, you know, the, mechanically, like his legs and all of that kind of stuff are working well and he's going to be able to play professional football because as well as the kind of injury when you've had that amount of knee, knee surgery that Johnny Burkhardt's had over the last few years, I just think to get back onto a football pitch ultimately is a an achievement in itself uh, and, and you could see that in the way that he, he sort of reacted to the performance after the game um, sort of celebrating with loved ones and stuff like that which was really nice to see but at the same time it's like I, I, I don't want to put too much pressure on him to to be anywhere close to the player that he was before his injury because you know th- those kind of injuries up until you know the last generation are kind of had have been career ending uh, and it certainly changes the way that you play uh, and the kind of play that you are as well so for me it's like the fact that he's back is a mega bonus and I'm really excited for it but I'm just I think we can just be patient and sort of see what happens with him because um yeah yeah I, I I really don't want it to go wrong and to sort of not see him playing football for a long time just because we've rushed it or because something's gone wrong because uh yeah he's, he's still a young lad it feels like he's been around for a while but he's not in the grand yeah. scheme of things well he was coming through the he just I think his final season with the 19s before swipping into the 23s as I as I moved to Mainz for the first time so you're looking at around about 2018 where he started becoming like a well-known name and he's just worked his way up to the first team so he's certainly someone that I identify with Mainz Nolfenf as kind of like has followed his career in in kind of brackets in um so it was just it was a beautiful moment to see him back on the pitch and and you mentioned that obviously there was the photos with his girlfriend afterwards and there's this outpouring of emotion for him of of just this achievement having been out of professional football for a year and being able to work his way back is is just wonderful especially for a young man like that um so it will be I'm excited and I'm I'm hopeful because I've mentioned I mentioned at the beginning of this season how hopeful I was for him um, and how much I believe that he will make a difference when he comes, or I hope at least that he will make a difference. Um, so I'm not going to go putting my house on him scoring a hat trick against Freiburg, but I'm putting it in the podcast that he's going to do it. So watch this space. Yeah, and your reputation's more valuable than any house. I mean, actually, given the housing market's going. <laughs> and what I know about you, I don't know if it is, but I mean, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's say that that's the case. I mean, I think we're moving towards the end of the episode. Uh, we should mention a few of the other teams that have been in mm. action recently. So um, I was at the Brook Vague on Sunday, so I didn't go to the Hoffenheim game because I was watching uh, the women's team in the uh, DFB Pokal uh, playing Duisburg in the third round of the cup. Uh, 
they got knocked out. Um, that's a team two leagues higher up, and they gave them a very, very good game. It was 1-0 to the away team until very close to the end, so absolutely no shame, a good performance. And again, a few missed chances to sort of rue uh, and wonder what might have been if they'd have got in. So uh, very good there. But then more importantly, at the halfway point of their season, uh, the top of the league, mm. no more league games until March. So uh, we don't have to, uh, yeah, we're not going to have some really cold days up at the Shopmine campus. campus. <laughs> It'll be springtime by the time we see them again. Um, but that's a very, very good uh, sort of start to things. Unbeaten still in that league. Mm. Uh, only dropped two points um, away in Zarbrucken so far. Uh, fingers crossed that will continue and uh, they'll get promoted because that would be, a way to round out a very good sort of first half, first season for the women's team uh, within Mainz and Fünf. Yeah, there's I a think. lot of positives coming out of that team. Is it is it Zabrücken as well? That uh, I think there's another team that are kind of up the league doing really well. Is that Zabrücken as well? Uh, I think Zabrücken and Elversberg are pretty decent, and then I think it's Neuenahr, um if I'm not mistaken, who are the other team? Okay, uh, that are up there and, uh, that were that were top until we basically played a lot of the games to catch up because. Mm. Uh, with progression through the cup, uh, I think they had a couple of games in hand for a lot of the sort of start of the season. So, yeah, uh, I enjoy watching them play uh, and uh, seems that things are building. They got over 600 people to the game, despite the fact that men were playing half an hour after the end of the cup game. Brilliant. Basically, if it had gone to extra time, I'd have missed some of the, the men's game because I would have got home in time. So mm. uh, it is good to see sort of people making that commitment and fingers crossed. I mean, I think the club haven't promoted them a great deal so far. You know, there might be a load of re- different reasons for that. Uh, I think as well, they're not they're not playing at the the main stadium very often. They're playing on a four G pitch in the middle of nowhere, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's not the most accessible for people to get to uh, to a certain extent. But there is a few hundred people that are going to most of the games, uh, and I think that's a, a really good positive start. So fingers crossed that can only build. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in 2024. Uh, and then the other thing as well that uh, I think you're particularly excited about, Sheridan, is the European Knights under the lights. <laughs> uh, with the under-19s, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not the sort of uh, senior team, but the under-19s uh, are in Europe. Uh, and uh, there was uh, a game against Dinamo Minsk on Wednesday, ending one all with Daniel Gleiber free mm-hmm. kick equalising for Mainz. And... Um, all to play for in that second leg, which is unfortunately behind closed doors on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, shame. I, I couldn't make the first leg, unfortunately, due to work commitments. Um, but it sounds like we put in another good performance, um, created some chances and and uh, fully deserved uh, the draw, if not more, on the night. So it'll, we'll see what they bring back uh, from the from the Stadion and Minskvig on, on Sunday. Uh, obviously, the, the away team, as they are, Dynamo Minsk, can't play in their home country. So the second leg will be played. Uh, in Mainz on Sunday and we'll hope for another positive result another uh, progression into the next round because I think it's in the next round that we can get the the, the big names as they were from the from the senior side so you likes of Real Madrid's and your Ajax and your Chelsea's and, and, and whatnot so um, being able to have a, a 19 year old Real Madrid academy star come to, to Mainz and, and give him all kinds of pelters is what every football fan dreams of so uh, fingers crossed <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was I was absolutely shocked and disgusted by the fact that that second leg would have to be played behind closed doors because surely you just let people turn up. But then I think uh, our fans were giving the Minsk number 11 a lot of stick during that game. So I was like, <laughs> I, kind, I kind of understand why you might want to give them some slightly more favourable sort of home conditions, even if they do have to play here rather than back 
uh, in Belarus. Uh, yeah. it, it ultimately makes sense. Uh, we'll be following on the live stream uh, before the game on Sunday against Freiburg, which I'm very much looking forward to, Sheridan. How about you? Absolutely. It'll be the first home game since uh, whenever it was, the home game before Leipzig. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to being... Was it? I was buying, wasn't it? I'm looking forward to being back in Mainz full stop. Um, will you be at the game? Oh, yeah, of course I'll be at the game, mate. Of course I'll be, you'll be uh, at the game. I'll be five Moldies deep, uh, and that'll be before the under-19s game. I don't even know about the, uh, <laughs> the game of player in the day. 1530 uh, we'll is that. the amount of uh, Moldies you've had, not the time. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a tough game, as we've seen with Freiburg's result in, in Europe tonight, but at the end of the day, they're going to be tired, so it'll be fine. <laughs> an hour of podcast and that's the analysis we come out with for Saturday's game don't worry lads they're going to be tired hey look it's not my job to analyse it that's the the, the, the professional teams uh, <laughs> fingers crossed uh, all being well we will sit down and discuss that game actually as it happens so let's make a commitment Sheridan we'll be here at some point in midweek yes uh, next week to let's do this that. And uh, yeah, so until then, uh, thanks very much for tuning in with us again. Any final thoughts or should we bounce? If you've listened, I think we've got to do something. If you've listened, we're into an hour into the podcast. Is this the longest podcast we've done so far? I think it might be. Yeah, I think I think it probably is, yeah. If you've listened this far, tell us in the comments on Twitter or on Spotify or wherever you can find us, what's your favourite flavour of Mulady? I think it's the important question we should pose to the fans. Of, of Mouldy? Yeah. Uh, mold wine? Mold wine. Okay. Just, just to just clarify for one who people might not be in with our slang of mm. calling mold wine moldies. Uh, so just, just making sure. Uh, the other thing that I actually would really love, we, we're ten episodes in, we still don't have a name. So if anyone wants to suggest a name, also good, then uh, then then do that because uh, I'm getting fed up of it. If we do, <laughs> New Year's resolution, New Year's resolution, we're going to come up with a name for this bloody podcast. <laughs> but until then, <laughs> favorite flavor of mold wine and names for a podcast. Go. Yeah, and please clarify which one's which, because otherwise we're going to be confused. Anyway, lovely to hear from you, Connor. Talk soon. All right, bye.